Thank you for downloading this episode of the 155 Podcast, the public records interview series of all candidates in Hamilton's 2018 municipal election. For more election coverage, visit thepublicrecord.ca where you can sign up for our City Hall newsletter. Episode 4, Louis Maloyevich, candidate for Ward 10, Hamilton City Councilor, recorded on August 9, 2018. Welcome to the Public Records Podcast Interviews of Candidates. First, let's start with who is Louis Malayevich? Louis is someone who was born and raised in Stony Creek. My parents moved to Canada from former Yugoslavia, communist country. They came as economic migrants in the 1970s. I was actually the first child to be born and raised in Jerome Crescent near Lake Avenue. And then in the late 1980s, we moved to Stony Creek near Dewitt Road, where I attended Memorial Public School and after that, Orchard Park Secondary School. My father worked at Maple Leaf Pork. My mother had a janitorial business. They basically went to small business afterwards and kind of made it. You know, they, they made it through the help of their community, through the help of neighbors who believed in them, who invested in them, who supported them. After Orchard Park Secondary School, I went to the University of Toronto for an undergraduate degree in political science and international relations. In 2003, I actually ran for city council out of a sense of duty and thinking that at 22 years old that I could make a difference in my community. I finished third out of six candidates. I lost to Maria Pearson. Second place was John Santorelli. It was widely described as an energetic campaign. I was very proud of that campaign. Got together with a bunch of childhood friends, and we did well. After that, I did a master's degree. I went on to graduate school in Hawaii, where I studied diplomacy and military studies. Went on to doctoral studies at American University in Washington, D.C., where I studied history and international relations. I've taught at the University of Baltimore. I've been at NYU. Here in Stony Creek, I've been a regular contributor in the Hamilton Spectator or an infrequent contributor to the Hamilton Spectator writing on leadership and governance issues. I'm someone that cares, someone that's benefited from the community. For me, Hamilton has always been, to a lot of people, it's Hamilton is Steeltown. Hamilton is the city of waterfalls. Hamilton is a city with a strategic location. To me, Hamilton has always been a city of role models. Tremendous work ethic, role models, heroes, volunteers, people who invest in young people. And I feel obligated to them. I want to follow in their footsteps and I want to give back to my community. Next question. Why are you running? Well, as I said, the last time I ran was in 2003. And I heard people's concerns back then. And they said that I was too young to be a city councilor. And I understood that. I went on, I finished my education, found a job, developed a career, and got involved in other ways. I was a big brother, a soccer coach, part of the Hamilton Media Advisory Council. And I see that the city is transforming. We have so many opportunities. Everyone says that Hamilton is on the cusp of a major renaissance, a transformation, unlike many cities, unlike few things, many cities have seen in, in the area. And we have it in us right now. We have this opportunity to really remake Hamilton and in nothing less than our own new image. Much like a previous generation of Hamiltonians, you know, who were in the steel industry kind of shaped how Hamilton look, would look for a generation. This generation of leaders now has an opportunity to create a new Hamilton for a new generation. And I want to be a part of that. I think that I can contribute. I have a sense of duty to give back, contribute. How have you contributed to your community and our city? The last four years, I've been writing articles in the Hamilton Spectator about leadership and governance. The articles have touched on issues from transportation, LRT, mayoral decision-making, community involvement in the decision-making. I've been a volunteer in the community. I've reached out through Big Brothers coaching. Hamilton Media Advisory Council sat on uh, Stony Creek, Fruitland, Winona Community Association. I'm out there. I'm, I'm hearing what people are saying. I'm hearing their concerns. I'm hearing their needs. I'm hearing what they deserve and want, and I want to help them. 
What are your two priorities for Ward 10 and two priorities for Hamilton as a whole? Well, what we're hearing at the door right now, Joey, is that in Stony Creek, Fulham, Winona, people are experiencing higher crime from auto break-ins to home vandalism to home break-ins. We feel that we need to have safer streets where our children can play and not worry, where we can sleep at night and not worry in our homes. And we need more police officers in that respect. We need a higher commitment to community policing as well. And we haven't gotten that. We also need to have a city councillor who brings that suburban rural ward a voice at the table in city council. We haven't had a, a serious voice at the table. Basically, our councillor right now is an administrator. She takes care of our roads. She paves and plows our roads, or claims to. She collects the garbage and the rare time raccoons and whatnot. And I think that if we're going to be paying a councillor $90,000 a year, we have to move from that simple job requirement, which I will fulfill, but also have a voice at the table in strategic decisions. Contribute. Everything that happens in Hamilton it has repercussions for all the wards. And right now, we don't have that seat at the table. So I think what people from Stony Creek, Fruitland, Winona want right now is to have a voice, a voice in the key decisions that are shaping our city and that are shaping our community. What three skills have you demonstrated that make you the best choice to represent us on city council? Well, to reemphasize the point, I'm a big picture thinker. I like to think strategically, and I like to communicate to my supporters and to the voters of Ward 10 that... Look, there's a big picture. The city is changing, our community is changing, and we can't just worry about important as they are. We have to worry beyond the block-to-block issues. We have to worry about the city as a whole, where we live, where we raise our families, because if our children want to have a future in the city, they, the whole city has to be healthy. All right, enough with the easy questions. Let's get to the tough one. Hamilton's facing what some reasonably refer to as an affordability crisis. There are around 100,000 Hamiltonians in their 20s, and over 140,000 Hamiltonians over the age of 65. Both are facing housing challenges resulting from Hamilton's zoning restrictions, which prohibit the building of multi-unit or clustered housing, which is in scale with single-family housing, commonly referred to as the missing middle. As Hamilton grows, how do you plan to address this issue? How will you respond to NIBYism? And where do you believe this type of housing belongs in Ward 10? It's a fantastic question. It's just a sign of the times that we have to worry about this. Affordable housing isn't something that people of, it's for young people, it's for, as you say, it's for older people, it's for middle income people as well. I mean, the housing market has been booming lately and people are basically saying, well, will I have the opportunity to buy a home and raise a family in a home? And we really need to start thinking about that seriously. I was very happy with the Wayne government's decision to give cities the power of inclusionary zoning. It's a step in the right direction to give cities that power. How cities exercise and wield that power is also important. The cities have to basically strike a fine balance between giving the private sector the opportunity to build, but also not cramping their opportunity to build. Because if we do that too much, we're basically going to shorten the supply of housing altogether. I mean, in Portland, inclusionary zoning has come in and the number of building contracts has decreased over the last year by double. And we have to look at that. So we want to have a good relationship with developers, but also a caring relationship with our residents. We want to strike that fine balance. And I think in Ward 10 specifically, this is the kind of issue that our counselor has never communicated to our residents. They're not a part of this conversation. This is something that basically takes place in the downtown core. And as a city counselor for Ward 10, I would obviously bring this issue to Ward 10 residents and ask for their input. You have to have people on the ground knowing the issues, being informed, and having a say. And right now, we haven't had a voice that's brought that issue to our voters. And I'm sure in talking through that process uh, with residents in Ward 10 about affordable housing and whatnot, just that talking through distills the issue in a way that makes it easy to deal with. 
what are two changes you will propose to improve city services? Great question. Well, I think that we have to look inward, first of all, at City Hall. And workplace culture, to be quite frank with you, is a disaster at City Hall. In 2015, there was a survey that basically revealed our staff and workers were disenchanted, disgruntled, unhappy. They had no faith in the leadership in City Council or in City Hall, in their leaders. You know, City Hall was compared to a bunch of other companies, and we finished dead last. That's a problem. That's a serious problem, and we have to address that. And also, in City Hall right now, I think the highest prescribed medications for employees and their families, the first is high blood pressure, and the second are antidepressants. That's not, that can't be a coincidence. Last year, I was very happy to see Aiden Johnson, counselor in Ward 1, push through the workplace mental health strategy. It was absolutely necessary. We can't function, can't have efficient services without healthy workers that believe in City Hall and believe in the city and believe in the future of the city. So mental health increasing, like the esprit de corps, if our workers feel that they're part of something, that they believe in the politicians that are working there, that they're elected representatives, we can move mountains. What are two changes you will propose to improve the quality of life in Hamilton? You could look at this question from so many ways. First of all, I think that we need to look at our seniors uh, and acknowledge that they are a rising, rising population. Right now, the, the HSR, when you get free ride, it's basically 85, from 85 and onward. I think if you've retired at 65, you've earned the right to travel freely in this city. I want to give them the opportunity to travel freely, so no HSR fees for them. Go around the city for free. You deserve it. You've earned it. But for the young people, I think that I'd like to push financial literacy. And that's a great way for City Hall, where all our tax dollars are at work, to reach out to young people. We have so many tremendously talented financial service professionals in our city who are looking to give back in their community. But we also have a tremendous cohort of young people in high school who need volunteer hours at City Hall to sponsor, pro bono, of course, through our many financial service professionals, free financial literacy classes. And that way, young people get an introduction into City Hall. They develop financial literacy skills. It doesn't cost anyone anything, and it also improves civic engagement. And then we have a new generation of young people coming up who feel connected to City Hall and feel that they can now have the knowledge and experience to contribute. Next question. Hamilton City Council decided against ranked ballots, which enable voters to choose a series of candidates they feel qualified for office. What is your position on ranked ballots? I absolutely support ranked ballots, Joey. From what I understand, the city's elections manager, Tony Fallis, has said he's voiced his concern in saying that ranked ballots could perhaps confuse voters, and that's why the city of Hamilton has been against it. Yet the city of London has now supported ranked ballots, and they're going forward. I would turn around Mr. Fallis's reluctance and say, if we're going to be worried about ranked ballot, the only thing that we have to be worried about is that it costs more. The City of London's ranked ballot initiative is costing about $300,000 more. Logistically, it requires a greater city effort. There's more elections officers are hired. The technology is more expensive. There's just more, more of a workload. In that regard, it may confuse our city officials more than voters. But anything that gives our community, our residents, a greater democratic voice, more representation, I'm all for it. Thank you for that answer. How will you improve civic governance and engagement during the next four years? Well, I want to make engagement with our community more meaningful. And I look at the Stony Creek Fruitland Winona Community Association, chaired by Cal DeFalco. So they were working with the Stony Creek Urban Expansion for seven years, the citizens of that community association worked hard to develop a plan for development in that area. 
and the city worked with them and all of a sudden the city abruptly changed their mind and said well we're going to do our own thing we're not going to follow your plan wasting all that time and effort by those people who are part of that community association which isn't really genuine if you're going to consult people be genuine about it work together cooperate and achieve a vision together you can't just have negotiations with a, a community and then break off discussions and negotiations and do your own thing that's negotiating in bad faith so more meaningful engagement definitely How will the city's vision statement guide your decision-making in hiring a new city manager, and what are you looking for in a new city manager's mm -hmm. office? I think someone who can take that vision statement of raising a family in our community and aging in our community and making it the best place to raise a family has to deconstruct that or decompose that statement and then surround it by hows. How are you going to do that? In that regard, the person, the, the candidate has to be someone who can look inward assess the inward environment, but who can also learn or who knows or can learn quickly about the city. I'd also fight for performance-based pay in the sense that there be a measuring stick where we can trace, follow, and monitor the city manager's progress. That way we know if we're going in the right direction or not, and we're not let on this wild goose chase. person has to be able to articulate a vision. They have to be able to address work culture in City Hall. They have to be proactive in the community in the sense that if you're working in City Hall, I want to see you speaking in Dundas. I want to see you speaking in Winona, Fruitland, Stony Creek. You have to be, have a presence so that people know who you are because you're basically the, the number one bureaucrat in our city and you're the one that's basically implementing the vision. Politics is the art of allocating limited resources and compromising to find solutions. How will you do this? There are 15 unique wards in our community with their own causes, concerns, needs, and wants. So we're all residents of our wards, but we're also residents of the city of Hamilton. We're all in this together, and we have to understand that. And as residents of the city of Hamilton, we also have citywide causes, concerns, needs, and wants, and responsibilities. So I think we have to basically, as city councillors and elected officials, we have to come up with universally readily understood ward responsibilities and balance those with citywide responsibilities. And once we understand what those areas are and agree upon them, then we can really manage our city and go forward in an efficient, effective, and fair-minded way. Thank you. That's the end of the prepared questions that you were sent in advance of the interview today. Do you have any closing remarks or statement that you'd wish to share with the voters? I don't. Thank you for having me, Joy. I really enjoyed this experience. Thank you. This has been episode four of the Public Records 155 podcast, our interview of all candidates in Hamilton's 2018 municipal election. The Public Record is Hamilton's local, independent, reader-funded news outlet. This podcast is made possible by members of the Public Records Press Club. Visit thepublicrecord.ca to learn more and listen to all episodes of the 155 podcast. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed. The Public Record is a member of the National News Media Council, a voluntary self-regulatory organization that deals with journalistic practices and ethical behavior. To learn more about the Media Council, visit the Media Council at mediacouncil.ca. Thank you for listening. See you at the polls on October 22nd.